Hi, it's Jen Richler with Can We Talk? We're hard at work on our fall season, which launches September 12th. In the meantime, we're back with a bonus episode. It's from Joya Putnoy, who recorded this conversation with her grandmother, Fran Putnoy, or Grand Fran, for a college class. Joya recently graduated from the University of Vermont, and Fran has been involved with projects at the Jewish Women's Archive for decades. Joya's piece is called Grand Fran in the Uber. It's about passing recipes and stories from one generation of Jewish women to the next. We think you'll love it. Here's Joya. I'm spending the afternoon with my Grand Fran. We're standing on a windy street in lower Manhattan at the gates of Chinatown, waiting for a six-person Uber. It's me and my sister, our partners, and our grandparents, Grand Fran and Papa Don. We've just enjoyed a dim sum feast, and now we are making our way to an art fair in Midtown. So I had, I had an hour to kill. Because in the Sheriff Israel Synagogue, where your grandmother and grandfather, my mother and father got married, was literally across the street from where we were going to dinner. With Grand Fran, it always begins with a story. So a man opens the door and said, you can take a tour, but you have to stay for the minion. I said, I have to stay for the minion, but I'm not allowed to um, go to your minion. I'm not counted. He said, I'm sorry, you have to sit separately. So it didn't matter. I can't see and I can't hear, but I'm in this aura because I'm thinking in 1941, in September, my parents, in the middle of a raging war, in the middle of the Depression, are getting married in this elegant building by one of the finest rabbis in the world at the time, Rabbi DeSola Poole. She grew up in Rockville Center, Long Island, in the 1950s, the eldest daughter of three. She was born to two newly minted Americans. Her mother, Evelyn, had immigrated to New York from Izmir, Turkey, in 1920. And her father, Otto, arrived in New York in 1940 from Vienna, Austria, after fleeing Dachau. The fusing of her parents' identities created a powerful and dynamic individual— a Sephardic and Ashkenazi queen, clad with chunky jewelry and the best dance moves around. Hers is a story where Fasulia and Keftes share the table with Bialis and smoke sturgeon. As we cross the street, Grandfran explains that she had a unique upbringing. Because both of her parents were working arduously to earn a living, her Turkish grandmother, Victoria, took Grandfran under her wing. So Otto's packing sardines. Victoria gives up her business in New York. She owned a fine... Uh, lingerie store, and she made the underwear for some of the most prominent women in the world. Right, the one that's in your bedroom, right? The, right, the, the, okay, the, with the, the hat. The, the, yeah, the, well, not the hat, but not the, the, hat, but the, but the, the robe. The, 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 the ro- not the robe, but the, the nightgown. The <laughs> okay. nightgown, okay. I don't need the, the robe. Black, the, the black yeah. nightgown, okay. And so she, she was a fine designer and seamstress. And she said to my grandfather, you're staying in New York, I'm going to take care of Frankie. That's what they called my grandma when she was growing up. And she's my full-time babysitter. Okay. And my father and mother go to work in the sardine cannery. So all of my stability relates to my grandmother, Victoria, because my parents weren't there all day. In fifth grade, Grandfriend spent another year living with Victoria. That's where she learned to eat and cook like a true Sephardi. Her kitchen was the size of a postage stamp. Oh, my God. Like your kitchen in Wellfleet. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So you can imagine. What was, like, one of the first things that she taught you how to cook? Well, first of all, my favorite treat 
was fresh hamburger that came right from the butcher that I ate raw by the oh pound. Oh my god! How about in terms of like what what so, like recipes? So like keftes. Yeah. Yes. Right Does there. that come from Turkey? Yes. Keftes, which are essentially large meatballs and tomato sauce, have been on every holiday table growing up. And fasulia, of course, and a roast. Do you remember, like, le- the moments when you were learning how to cook? No, no the way you don't remember yeah. them, right? Yeah, It's subliminal, of course. but it's all there. But I do remember hating eggplant. Really? And she would make abunia, and I would say, grandfather. Wait, abunia? Abunia, the eggplant, the, the mushed eggplant. Yeah. Do you make that? Do oh, you like- I don't. Do you make that? Oh, my God, yes. You never no, taste it. So. so for the same reason, I never ate it. You never ate it because eggplant is not one of the favorites of kids, right? Right. And she'd make this abonia and she'd say, Frankie, it's the best thing I make. Why don't you eat it? And I say, I don't like eggplant, Grandma. Spanish rice, of course. I mean, in my blood. Yeah. And then she made um, the best chicken lemon soup. She always made the best artichokes in the world. Okay. How would she do them? So they were all, she would cut those artichokes. To perfection, and they, she called them. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the Ladino name. She was a phenomenal cook. Ugh, I'm sure. And her sister was a better cook. She had a. a, a her mom was Joya. Oh, okay. So Joya yeah. was the grandmother to seven yeah, siblings. Yeah, there were seven siblings. There was my grandmother Victoria. Then there was my aunt Rosie, and then there was my aunt Susie, and then there were all these boys. And the men, the reason the family survived is your Uncle Albert was the first importer of olive oil to the United States of America. Wow. From Luca, Italy. Berio olive oil was your uncle. No. That's my, not my uncle. Your, my your uncle. uncle. Uh, your great uncle. Great, great, great uncle. Great, yeah. great uncle. First importer of Berio olive oil to America from Luca, Italy. The family has just taken back the business after... 80 years, about eight years ago, um, they took back the business. But that was our family business, and that's how everybody survived. The olive oil story is news to me, and most likely needs to be fact-checked. But it's a testament to the magnitude of stories that Grandfriend carries within her. A few years ago, Grandfriend began committing the story to writing. And through her writing, she has begun to uncover new threads. But what I've discerned, because my father's Holocaust story was so profound, everybody concentrated on the man. Right. On what? On the man. Yes. On my father's story, because it was Holocaust, and it was near death, and it was as dramatic as any story could be. But what I've learned in writing my memoirs, it's already a story about the women. Right. Because my grandmother, Victoria, gives up her life and takes those to Maine with me. My grandma and Francesca, my father's mother, who's only 50 when my father's in the camps, sleeps in the park every night and rescues my father out of the camps, gets all the documents to get him to America. Wow. Right. And then when we get to America, it's my grandmother, Victoria, and my mother, who's already a college graduate with a business degree. It's the women. Who take yeah. my father to Maine and make an American wow. out of him. There was American rootedness here already from the Turkish family that was here before he escaped. Right, right. Without that, he would have been another peddler on the Lower East Side trying to figure out how the fuck to survive. So where are you at with your memoir 
now? And so what like, compelled you to want to write it? Grand Fran has been weaving her writing together with recipes to create an informal cookbook, currently a 66-page Google document brimming with reveries of growing up in Long Island with immigrant parents. This recipe book is Grand Fran's desire to preserve our family story. And I thought the best way to tell the to do the cookbook would be to contextualize it in family stories because I do believe in our tradition that the table is an extension of the sanctuary. The Uber's going to come there, so we should walk over Okay, fine. We take a brief break from the talking as the Uber arrives and we chaotically pile in. Are people getting in the back? He's going to have to take the shoes. So do you have more writing to do for your memoir? Or do you feel like all the meat is there and now you're editing it? Or is it like... Uh, I have only to take this thread now of the woman and integrate the thread. And then this week, I met a man because of that encounter at the synagogue Mm -hmm. who who had all this information about Grandma Francesca. So you have to add it. Now you have to write a new section. Because now I know where my grandmother came from, in what town in Czechoslovakia. I had none of that until a week ago. I like the idea of the, the recipes telling the stories. Yeah, because they they really do tell the story because it's the two cultures, you know, the cucumber salad and the kugelhoff. Where does the the cucumber salad, is that? The only thing my father could make was cucumber salad. Really? Ah. Lip tower. And then my aunt made kugelhoff. Espresso macchiato. Where did I take you when you were a little girl? To Burdocks to get kugelhoff. Yeah. Kugelhoff is like, it's like a pound cake. It's a a marble pound cake. Mm. So good. Very dense, made in a bun pan. Okay. So, you know, in a bun pan, it kind of intensifies the flavors because it's. It's not a sponge cake. Did he make cucumber salad the same way you do? Yeah. How do you make cucumber salad? So basically, I, whatever cucumbers look the best in the market, whether they're Persian or regular, whatever, just thin sliced, salt, sit a plate on top, give it a half hour to drain the whatever, that acidic thing, drain off the water, dry it, throw a little bit of olive oil, a good deal of white vinegar, salt, ground pepper. I asked Grand Fran what her relationship is like to the language of Ladino. She says she can pretty much fake it. Yo puedo hablar un poquito de Ladino porque me gusta muchísima esta lengua. La lengua de mis padres, que fue muy importante cuando yo fui una joven persona. And every time I did something good, my grandmother would say, Mashallah. And I'd say, what are you saying, Grandma? She said, that's just what we say, mashallah. So it took until like 40 years later, my rabbi said to me, Fran, do you know that you're praising Allah? Yeah, I said, Allah what? Said. He says, mashallah, prayers to Allah. So is your hope with the memoir, like, is it just for your, like, you're hoping that for yourself, we'll just have for it? For you. Okay. For you and your sister. I've loved reading the part so far, like, especially about you, the food. You and your sister and Will and Libby, that's who the memoir's for. So you have the recipes. It's really about wanting to keep that part of our culture alive and that the table really was so important to our family. The volume of stories and recipes that live within Grand Fran outlast a 20-minute car ride. The more I attempt to untangle our complex family history, the more grateful I feel that Grand Fran is building the infrastructure for these memories to live beyond her life. She's a powerful well to draw from, a matriarch whose life was sculpted by the impacts of assimilation. 
I particularly found interest in the blend between her prominent Sephardic and Ashkenazi roots and how the two clash. In her memoir, she writes, The food presented another problem for those who gathered. Each country represented a different culinary tradition, albeit Jewish cooking as we would know it. The problem was always my mom, who grimaced as she watched the jellied carp be put in front of my father and his Viennese cousins and friends. The Spanish rice, which was set on the table to satisfy the Sephardic tradition of consuming rice on Passover, was no less a problem for my dad's cousins, who thought it was sacrilegious to eat rice on Pesach. Of course, since my living grandmother Victoria was the primary cook, her tradition reigned supreme, and all of our family learned to eat frittatas de pesa, huevos aminados, and a bevy of other Sephardic holiday foods. I love thinking about those moments, and although I have no sense of smell and cannot distinguish the aromas, I revel in the visual memory of these events. Just as every religion has a food culture, so does every family, and I personally feel indebted to the plates of kefte, Spanish rice, and cucumber salad that shape our family sanctuary. As long as the recipes abound, the stories will too, and I will continue to sustain them through cooking. If you want to try the cucumber salad that Grandfriend mentioned, here is a full recipe. First, begin by slicing three medium cuecumbers using the thin blade of a Cuisinart. Then you should place them on a plate and sprinkle with kosher salt. Wait about 25 minutes for the cucumbers to weep. In the meantime, in a medium-sized bowl, whisk together three tablespoons of olive oil, six tablespoons of white vinegar, and one teaspoon of sugar. Then take the cucumbers in your hands and squeeze as much moisture out of them as you can. Then place the squeezed cucumbers in the bowl with the dressing. And voila, there you go. That's Grandfriend's Cucumber Salad. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode of Can We Talk? This story was produced by Joya Putnoy, who's currently a newsroom intern at Vermont Public. I'm Jen Richler. We'll see you in September.